This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Ramsey is a red as Liverpool linked with once away Wijnaldum. The latest on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Nico Williams' futures too, as well as reaction to Raheem Sterling being linked with a cross-Premier League switch. To debate, discuss, analyse and argue about the above, we have the O Squires as well as the Wirral Wonder Rich Garnet Chaps. I trust you're both well, but before we get into things today, I just want to throw ahead ahead of even Friday's podcast. We're going to give it over to the listeners. If they want to get in touch for an off-season summer Q&A special, do get in touch with us via our email, bloodred at reachplc.com. For any questions you may well have for us, or any special feedback you want to give to Theo Squires, we're always more than happy to oblige. Can't wait. Yeah, exactly. Chaps, I trust you well, though, as I say. And uh, well, Theo, right at the top, let's start with Calvin Ramsey. We discussed him yesterday on an Agenda podcast, but a smart piece of business, Liverpool's third summer signing tied up. Yeah, I think as soon as it became clear that Liverpool wanted him, they were going to get him. He said himself he was a boyhood Liverpool fan as soon as he heard of the interest. There's only one club he wanted to join. Um, it's quite easy for them to get the deal done because he's not exactly going to be a club record buyer as we saw with Darwin Nunes. Uh, I think it was just over £4 million to the initial fee with a further £2.5 million add-ons. And now he's going straight into that first-team squad. He'll have a look at him in pre-season. By the looks of it, he's going to be this understudy to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he's a, a right-back who loves to get forward. He likes cutting inside, getting shots off, but can put in a really good cross as well. And Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders, they see something in him. He's a great prospect, as anyone who's seen him will be able to tell you from his performances in Scotland. But they see a fullback who can really play this Liverpool way when he's only 18 and he's already got such senior experience. Uh, it's just the beginning for him. Now, we, we said on the podcast yesterday, it's one thing if he'd stayed in Scotland playing every week against the sort of forwards he's going to play up there. Instead, he's going to be training every day against Diaz, against Salah, against Nunes. Um, learning from the likes of Trent, from Andy Robertson, it's a much better prospect for him to learn his trade at this club that he adores. Um, and we'll, we'll see how quickly he gets to bed into this Liverpool team. Uh, he's going to have a few appearances in pre-season, you'd imagine. And then domestic cup games, there's five substitutions across the board, so we could get the old Premier League appearance here. He is Trent's understudy for the season. Let's see how it goes. Rich, what's your take on it? It feels as though, even though we're, what, 20th of June today as, as we sit here, that Liverpool's summer business looks all but done. And again, another, I suppose, clinic in, in how to build an Evolver squad put on, this time by Julian Ward. Yeah, it seems now, in seasons that have gone by, as opposed to how things used to be, that Liverpool have a very cohesive plan in everything that they do. And it seems to more often than not go uh, without too many hitches. And, and as you say, they've got they've got the uh, the work that they wanted done early doors. Whether that uh, was supposed to include the exit of Savio Mane, or, or if that was something that they were preparing for uh, for a while, we, only only the powers that be in the corridors of uh, the AXA training ground can tell us. But but the fact of the matter is, is they brought three players in. Uh, that, that look like they're going to be extremely useful for Liverpool and help, and help to evolve this squad. And, and, and let's be honest here, it doesn't matter how good the team is, you've always got to evolve a squad and freshen it up and, 
and bring in uh, bring in younger players and new blood at some stage. Uh, every successful team in the past has, has done that at some stage, sometimes two, three times over. And and I think that's what we're seeing here now. And I, I think the this week's acquisition of of, of Ramsey looks like an astute move. Um, he, as Theo said, he hasn't cost a lot of money, and and what he will cost, uh, I dare say, they will recoup. On, on some exits quite comfortably. So, uh, yeah, looks like good business. As Rich say, it's it's all part of the plan. Like Liverpool, they've known for a while that the squad's getting older and that they need to replace some of these senior stars. And when Julian Ward came in as sporting director, director the task was this transitional period and you're not going to change your whole squad overnight. So that's why I think 2022, it's been looking at that front three, looking at the attack and making the transitions there. It's easy to forget Luis Diaz would have been a summer signing if Tottenham hadn't gone for him in January and that forced Liverpool's hand. So that's essentially the Sadio Mane replacement on the left. And they got these extra six months out of Mane. Nunes has come in to what, be the Firmino replacement. So Liverpool have replaced now two-thirds of the front three and they've still got Fabio Carvalho there. They've still got Diogo Jota there. And the big question mark is Mohamed Salah. Does he sign a new contract or do they need to replace him in 12 months' time? As far as players go, Liverpool don't break the wage structure structure for anyone. It's why Genie Wijnaldum, who we'll get to later, was allowed to go last summer. It's why Mane potentially has been allowed to go now. That's one player they would find a compromise for. He's the best player. But it's a big ask going from, if, say, your second highest earner is on 200 to 250k, to go and say, oh, I want 100 more than that. It's not going to happen. There has to be some middle ground. And Liverpool would be happy with these, either scenario. If he signs, great. They get him for another three years, four years, and they can transition him out. If he doesn't, I'm sure they'll have some a list of short uh, targets who they can go and replace to bring in ahead who can get the goals. Like Darwin Nunes should be the primary goal scorer this season anyway, by the looks of it. And as we already know, 2023 is going to be the year of the midfield. We know Henderson's getting older, Thiago's getting older, Milner's getting older, Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain out of a contract, whereas Jones and Elliot, they're going to play more this year. It's all about that gradual transition. It's the front three this summer. It'll be the midfield next summer. And as long as the results keep coming on the pitch, Liverpool have done another good job. You can't really fault their strategy because it's served them so well in uh, recent years. But this is that step into the unknown when you're taking out these players that they know so well and putting in new uh, cogs to see how it all comes together. Uh, it's a bit of a gamble, but then it's one that every side has to make at some point. And we'll see how well it'll be a success from this year or not. It is a big undertaking, isn't it, though, Rich, to, uh, I suppose, revamp that front line, which arguably as a cohesive forward unit has been as good as anything any Liverpool side from history has has put together and shown. And, I mean, I suppose you go back to, to 2014 when, when kind of Sterling, Sturridge and, and Suarez, that unit began to, to fall away straight after missing out on the title and how difficult Liverpool found it until this front three came along that actually... Whilst people probably listening saying, well, actually, Liverpool could definitely do with another central midfield player. A lot of people were saying that still last summer as well. And we saw how Liverpool went on and performed. It has been a huge undertaking that they've done. And equally, I suppose, how important is it and how big is it psychologically for supporters and whatnot that Liverpool have gone and put the money down and bought these players in rather than what we've seen in summer windows gone by, where the message clearly has been, let's see how much we get through player sales before then going to the market. They've reversed it round this year. Yeah, I think with Mane going, it was 
pretty important to bring in some sort of big name or I want to stop short saying established star because obviously Darwin Nunes only really had one prolific season, hasn't he? So you could you couldn't categorise him like that. But 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 what what you are looking at there is obviously a a, a clear talent uh, who's demonstrated he's got an ability to score goals at a reasonably good level, and 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 obviously he plays for Uruguay as well, and 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 expectation will be high on him to come in and try try and um, fill that role. Uh, of Mane, even if, as Theo said, Luis Diaz was probably the Mane replacement, actually, and you you ended up with the pair of them, uh, both in that side. Uh, but I think there's 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 plenty of, of uh, logic behind the idea of not revolutionising the front three and the midfield at the same time. That that and sometimes I think you've just got to take a step back, haven't you, and have a look at that, and then and think about it because it's. You think, oh, these players are getting old. We need to replace these. Henderson's cracking on. Milner last last year of his con, you know, probably won't get another contract after his next one. It, it, it would be easy to start uh, doing major re-engineering work. Where whereas the way I'm sure Klopp and Klopp and his team probably look at it is, well, we know we've got a great side. We've we've competed on four fronts right to the very end this season to show what how good this team is as it is. We're not going to just pick it apart in one go uh, and, and do it gradually and, and, and bring in players that, that fall into Klopp's philosophy and go from there. And he's done that. He started with the front three, a front three that um, at one point seemed basically unbreakable. Uh, you know, Liverpool have had lots of good combinations up front in the past over the years. But, you know, in modern times, it might have been seen as a bit of a disaster or one of those front players left for a bigger club. If you think of like Torres, if you think of Suarez, it, it, I feel like we've moved on from that now. You know what I mean? Play, players players now aren't performing well for Liverpool and say, right, I'm going to Real Madrid and going to Barcelona. It's a different situation. And, and, and although obviously Mane's moving on, it, 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 it doesn't feel anything like those two exits. It's a player who's, who's basically won everything he, he, he can uh, at Liverpool and and is seeking a new challenge and let's be honest with with, with uh, a new wage a uh, new wage packet to look forward to so it is a totally different dynamic um, and and that's to to Klopp's credit and to Liverpool's credit that 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 the club is no longer viewed it, they, they've took themselves up a level and, and and that's been a result of the success and the structure that they've put in place so I think I think the moves up front are are. It's sad that you know, obviously, that trio is coming to an end, but they are necessary moves, and and supporters should be excited about uh, Nunes coming in and, and and seeing how he links up with Diaz as well. It's going to be uh, very interesting this season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So Theo, going Nunes comes in as a potentially club record signing. Then there's two youngsters in Calvin Ramsey and, and Fabio Carvalho also coming into the squad. Does it signify to you then that, that rather than maybe try and push on and and maybe not quite get the stellar signing that they want for that midfield, Liverpool are happy to kind of keep their powder dry in terms of that midfield option for next year with the indication therefore, I suppose, inferred that Liverpool will go big at a midfield, whether it's an overhaul or a one-off person they go big on for next summer? I think I've said before, it makes sense for him to 
hold fire on the midfield if the right player wasn't available now. And I've been doing it for Q&A on the website today. I know other fans are saying, well, why does it have to be, say, Jude Bellingham, for example? Why can't they just go for someone now? Well, the eight options they had last year are still at the club. The eight options nearly got them a quadruple. And it's one where, well, Henderson's just turned 32. You've got another year out of him comfortably. Thiago's a year younger, so you've got another year out of him comfortably. Fabinho's part of this midfield for another five, six years, and he's already one of the best holding midfielders in the world. Um, Milner, he's that stopgap, isn't he? You've got an extra year out of him. He can be that option in reserve who showed how well he can perform in the last week, so last season. And then when he goes, well, you've got the replacement there for the numbers. You've you still think, got well, just, on, just on Milner, do you think that maybe they were... I wouldn't want to say surprise, given we know the, the length of the career he's had, but it felt as though the indication early part of the season, maybe, was this season go it, coming, or sorry, the one that's just gone, would have been Milner's last year. And actually, how well he performed at the back end of the year, he warranted another year's extension. And that therefore pushes the issue maybe another year down the track before they can then really concentrate fully on that midfield. I think that certainly helped. I think it was after the defeat to Leicester, uh, at the end of December, I can't remember if we started that game or not, but I remember talking to some of the journalists when we were leaving after that defeat. And it's like, oh, Milner's legs are gone. Like he, he can't get another year here. And then he just finished the season so well. And it's not as though he was just in one position either, whether he was in the number eight or he was a number six, which he did at Southampton. Then he went right back. He's still delivering in all these three roles. It was superb against Newcastle. We know how vital he is off the pitch, but the fact that he can still perform... And he was doing it without the injuries. Like before, we'd seen him come into the team and then, because he wasn't playing regularly, get the odd knock. I think he came off injured in the, in the 5-0 at Old Trafford. But he still got a lot to offer. And the fact that he could finish the season so strongly probably did settle nerves a little bit because he is a player that you can always rely on. And then go through the rest of the field options. We know Elliot and Jones, they're surely playing more this year. Like If Elliot hadn't got that ankle injury, he, he might be first choice in this uh, looking field already. But... They had to protect, um, go with what they had for that second half of the season, quite rightly. And Jones, we know there's a player in there. There's this potential. You're just waiting for him to unlock it and be more consistent. Uh, it's one of the reasons, those two, is one of the reasons why Klopp signed a new contract. Got the five substitutions this year, so they're going to play more. They're going to start more. And that, that's that transition there. And that, I've not even mentioned Cater Oxlade-Chamberlain. Well, they're under contract for another year, even if Cater doesn't agree one. So you, you've still got those eight options. You don't need to throw in a big money signing just to sacrifice someone lower down if the right player isn't available now. Now, you're going to have to send the Monaco guy for me again because you know I can't say it. Sure, many, yeah. Well, he's Real Madrid yes. now. Real Madrid now. If We know they liked him. Um, if they could have got a deal done, they would have tried to. But his heart was set from going to Real Madrid. So they moved on from that. And that's when 2023 comes into it. And it's very easy to go 2 plus 2 equals and say, Jude Bellingham, he's available in 2023. They like him. They've been linked with him. That is what's going to happen. We'll find out next summer if it equals four or five, but that is a possibility. But yeah, when you're up to upheave um, the front three, it doesn't make sense to then go and do the midfield in the same summer when it is all about this gradual transition for the next generation of Liverpool. They can get this midfield, they can get the front three, sorry, right. And this midfield this year, it's about easing out Henderson or Thiago a little bit getting Elliot and Jones into that side more, seeing if Kate can have an injury-free season and be consistent and get into that first-choice starting eleven every week. 
And then you look at whether you need one midfielder or two midfielders, maybe even three next year. Uh, things change, but it's not something that they've desperately had to now when the options they had caught them with within, what, 90 minutes, two games of a quadruple. Yeah, and let's wait and see what Fabio Carvalho does as well. He may well be a midfield addition as well. But, Rich, for you, is it enough? Or would you still like to see? I mean, from what we're hearing and understanding, it's Liverpool's transfer business done. It, what, what is there, six weeks left of the transfer window? Would you still hope and in the back of your mind, are you still praying that maybe there is a chance a midfielder arrives? Or are you happy with what Liverpool have got? Um, well, when it became... Um clear that Calvin Ramsey was probably going to be Liverpool's final signer of this window. At that point, just that, that initial point, the initial reaction was one of a bit of surprise. Uh, and I don't know if disappointment's the right word, but I suppose it's this is like a subconscious thing where once you've uh, your fix of football is is uh, brought to a halt by the end of a season, it's what what are you looking forward to next? And, and of course, until you start seeing a ball kicked again, it, it, it's new signings and, and 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 the excitement that that brings. And I think I think all those sort of uh, emotions are, are, are linked are linked to that because the longer I've had to digest it, the more acceptance I have of the situation than actually the business that they've done so far probably is sufficient. Um I suppose the only thing that would change that is if if is if some sort of midfield option became available that that the manager thinks, yeah, actually, I do want to take a punt on that, and we got a little bit of money here we can use to to bring that person in. But uh, as, as we know, Bellingham is, uh, I think, he's out of reach this summer. So uh, if if he's if he's really hell bent on on bringing him in, then then you know, he, as he's shown with some other players in the past, he will be prepared to buy at this time and and uh, you know and, and see if he can get them further down the line with, with, with what we've just talked about. But I suppose the interesting one really is is. Uh, uh, Cavallo and 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 what his role is going to be because it's difficult. He's some he's somewhere in between an attacker and, a, and a, an attacking midfielder and a forward, isn't he? I think uh, I haven't seen a lot of him, but I know he's performed well uh, um, for Fulham and, and has done enough, obviously, for Jurgen Klopp want to to put faith in him and bring him in. I'd be interesting to see how much he plays and and where he sees him fitting in within this. Liverpool side, and and if he does fit in uh, on a regular basis, if it actually changes the way that they set up up top, it will be interesting to see exactly what Liverpool will do with him. But Theo, whilst we understand maybe the transfer business is done, is there a subtlety in saying there's a room for any loan additions? You know where I'm going with this. Genie Vinaldum has been linked with a possible return to Liverpool, and. Rich said there about being opportunistic and whether the manager feels as though it fits right. We know how well Genie Wijnaldum fits in a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool. Any truth in the, the rumours circulating on social media or or is it a case of just speculation? Um, I could see it falling one of either way, really. Uh, I've not actually properly chased it up because Liverpool were very clear last year when agreeing a fee with Ramsey that any other links that would arise would be nonsense. So, it's very easy to say, oh, wouldn't Adam links the nonsense then? Because it is a deal that wouldn't make any sense, really, when you look into the future. The one thing that makes it potentially is, oh, it's a loan. So, obviously, oh, year it's a stopgap. It's a player they know well. But if they wanted to keep Genie and Adam last year, they, they would have given him what he wanted contract-wise. They didn't. They were happy for him to move on. So, they could open the door to 
Jones to play more, to Elliot to play more. It's all about moving forward. And without you, if they sign Wijnaldum, it's not looking forward. Even for a year on loan, it's looking back. just doesn't make much sense. Um, maybe if they came, PSG came up and said, you want him back on loan and it made sense, they could. It might appeal if someone got injured in pre-season. Say like, um, I don't know, bad injury for... Tiago or something and they needed some recruitments it might be something they look at but from what the information we got and how clear the club were at the time that they were done just doesn't seem like a very logical move for them and it's stepping away from what they normally do like we've seen in the past when they've had injuries or this you think there's a hole in the squad they don't just go for a stock up unless they really 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 have to like it was only when Joel Matic got injured that they felt oh we actually do need a centre-back and got Kabak and Ben Davis Otherwise, they'd have tried to carry on with what they had. And we're not looking at a team that's short on midfield options. Like I've said, they've got eight senior options and you've still got Tyler Morton there. You've still got Leighton Clarkson there if he doesn't go out on loan. So there's enough there and the players there who they're going to prefer to give the minutes to. Carvalho could go in midfield. Firmino could go in midfield. They don't need to bring Gini Wijnaldum back. So uh, I'm leaning towards the club being honest and sticking with that. It's nonsense. Rich, yes or no? Opportunity arises. Um, so I, I worked on a, a debate piece with our colleague Hannah this morning about whether it was a good idea or not a good idea. And, and the truth of the matter is we were both somewhere in the middle with it. Um, and and it, well, you've got to pick a side. So I said, right, I'll, 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 I'll go with no, I'll go with against. Um, so by the time I'd finished right now, I had actually convinced myself that that was the right decision after all. Um, after after probably leaning a little bit the other way, and, and and it does it does sort of harp back to what I was saying before, and that sort of emotional attachment, and what you what you what you re- remember Gini Wijnaldum for, and and you know I'm not I'm not saying through looking at it through rose tinted glasses, but he's obviously a great player, and we've seen exactly you know exactly what he's capable of. He's also a big game player, which is which is something that um, um, you know may may have stood Liverpool. Uh, in good stead in 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 one of the three finals they played in uh, not so long ago, and which which we don't need to be reminded didn't score a goal in. Uh, so it, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be without value. But Liverpool have moved on, haven't they? Yeah, he wanted to leave the club. Another player he wanted more money. I would I would I would suspect and. It's not Liverpool's fault that it hasn't worked out at PSG, is it? So uh, I think I think once you've once you've made that decision, okay, it's not it's not final, but uh, unless unless there was a real need to bring him back, it's uh, I can't see it happening. So it's a no for me. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Looking forward then, Theo, let's discuss those midfield options and what Liverpool do have. Of course, there's been a lot of talk about which players could well be for sale this summer. But a piece you've written for the Liverpool Echo website suggests that maybe not quite as it appeared at the beginning of the summer. We know the club may be more open to to keeping Nat Phillips around at the club, whether that is a loan move this summer, but keep him permanently on the books. But now Nico Williams and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, their futures kind of becoming more clear over the course of the weekend. And no, I'm not talking about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain getting engaged and sorting out his personal life. Strictly professional. Where do he and Nico Williams now stand? Uh, I think it was quite telling that 
Calvin Ramsey signs and then the wording for Nico Williams becomes a bit more cemented. Um, that I know in the past they've been said they're happy to keep him and I imagine they wouldn't have any problems with keeping him if the right move didn't come for him. But they're loyal to their players and they know Nico Williams isn't going to start games for him and essentially just signed his replacement. So it does feel like his Liverpool career is coming to an end. Uh, he's not available on loan. It would be permanent exit. But I'm not completely ruling it out because, say, six weeks' time, you're at the end of August, a deal hasn't happened at the right fee. You still want him to go and play to protect his value and so he can make sure he gets his place in the World Cup squad for Wales. So it would be a last resort, as it was in January for him and Nat Phillips. But as it stands, Liverpool expect to sell him and they're sticking to that £15 asking price. Um, I'll I'll do a little bit on Nat Phillips as well. Um, I think his future ties into contract renewals, if I'm honest. Um, It sounds like now Liverpool got their incoming business done. The focus is the outgoings. And then when the players report back for pre-season, they'll look at the contract renewals. And Joe Gomez and Joel Matip, more Gomez than Matip, they're two of the players they'll look at. And they'll have conversations there. They, They want to keep Joe Gomez. But if he says, no, I've not played enough football because of injuries... I want to go and be first choice elsewhere and get in the England squad but and he moves on and then say Joel Matip he's wanting to do what Mane's essentially done and go I want another I want to prove myself elsewhere at the end of his contract then Nat Phillips comes into play as someone they want to keep but if they could keep those two then oh we're not going to keep you around just to be fifth choice centre back they'd be happy to sell Phillips and the Oxlade Chamberlain one's interesting because we know he's out of contract next year and there hasn't really been a suggestion like we've had with Cater and Gomez that they want to offer him a new deal. Um, but at the same time, there are no plans to sell him at the moment. That could go either way. Like Liverpool aren't going to flog him say, oh, he's for sale, come and get him because that would lower his price. They're essentially saying he's part of the plans and he will be part of the plans. He played a lot of football during the first half of last season and it was only when they were going for the quadruple when they got the players back from AFCOM and when they signed Diaz, that his game time dwindled. But during the winter months, he was a valuable player. When they were losing midfielders to injury, he was a valuable player, and he still has something to offer. And his versatility is very useful. Um, he has a good pre-season. He could force his way up that pecking order again. But at the same time, they're aware that his contract's up in a year's time. So if someone, say, West Ham or Aston Villa, came in and go, here's 10, 15 million, and he asked to move, as we've seen in the past, Liverpool would consider it and let him go. But he's not a player they're actively trying to sell at the moment. They're happy for him to be part of the squad and to be this option. And as I said earlier, with some players, well, more substitutions, more game time for him. And uh, if you want him to defend your League Cup and FA Cup titles, then he's at least got those domestic cup games. It, there's a valuable squad player there who can fill in in a lot of positions. It's up to him to see what he wants to do. Same as is for a number of players in this squad. They want to move on if they're happy with their current role. And then performances would decide if you could actually get a new contract or if it's uh, thanks to everything in 2023. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, this summer, Rich, in terms of those players who, who only have a year left on their contract. Nominally, kind of, Naby Keita, who Theo mentioned when they report back for pre-season, likely to begin contract renewal negotiation talk. But Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Mohamed Salah are also in that boat. So whilst we've seen, I suppose, over the last kind of three or four years, a player each summer, having run down their contract to move on for free. You can't see three players. And of that, one player who arrived as a club record signing in Salah and another who is what now the fourth most expensive player in history in Naby Keita being allowed to walk, as well as Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. 
And on top of that, with the kind of rumours around Takumi Minamino and his versatility he he has, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, quite a similar profile of player who can play wide right and can play in kind of those attacking midfield areas that Minamino often kind of plays in. So perhaps it's it's probably more valuable and worthwhile, is it, to keep Oxlade-Chamberlain around for another 12 months rather than, than let him go for what's being rumoured, around £10 million? Um, I'm somewhere in the middle on it, to be honest. I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, Theo's point about, you know, he played a lot, you know, his, his game time did diminish towards the end of the season. He's kind of pushed out of it. There was a lot of squads he wasn't in and, and all of a sudden you think, yeah, it, his time's up. But he did do a lot of good work prior to that. I, I, I've, I, he's, I, I like him, right? I, I, I like him as a, as a person and, and I'm just not totally convinced um, that he's he's right at the same level as some of his peers in that Liverpool side, um, which which is a high bar, and I do still think that he can do a job for Liverpool. So it's not I'm not hanging him out to dry here. I just think if 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 the right move came up for him um, at a price that the club felt was reasonable, um, and and the, and it was a good move for him that you know we pretty much guaranteeing the game time that he probably craves at this point in his career then it, it, could, it could be a good move for both parties for him to move on. But uh, what what seems to be a lot better with Liverpool now these days is that, that you know, I remember when um, the, you know, FSG came in and there was all this talk about um, buying players with potential resale value. And I think at that time to Liverpool supporters, all that talk, talk, sort of speak was a bit, a little bit alien, really, because it was like we don't buy players to sell them on. We buy them because they're the best and then they stay. And, and, and that sort of mentality seems to have it's shifted. It's a big, it's a big change, you know, and, and, uh, and taking that move, that strategy, is, it seems to have served Liverpool really well uh, over a number of years now. And, and the fact that they've done this uh, incoming business pretty early doors, they're now saying that's probably, that's probably it now. There's not going to be any others. They can now focus on these other players and, and, and figuring out the best deals. There's a bit of wheel of dealing to be done with other clubs. But if if, if these players um, or, or a number of these players end up staying at the club, it's it's the, well, the strong squad, isn't it? So uh, so the yeah, the squad's strong, rather, um, um, as we've seen from from what, what they've achieved on the pitch. So there's in that sense, the ball's very much uh, in Liverpool's court. It's down to other teams to come to them. They're not just going to come and uh, and get an Alex Oxlade Chamberlain or even a Nat Phillips or an Eco Williams at a steal. They're, the club's going to want good money for them, and they've got the right to hold out for it. And I think they will do. I think I think Nico Williams will 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 get a new club, and Liverpool will get a very good fee for a Welsh international. Well, that's what Liverpool have been great at, Theo, isn't it? Is extracting maximum value. But for, for me, I don't quite see too much logic in selling a 29-year-old player who arrived for, what, £35 million for what's been spoken about between 10 and £15 million, as you say there, as a player who, before we were talking about midfield options and next year's maybe the chance to go and really regenerate it, when you've got a 29-year-old former England international there who, to me, is the ideal bridge between the youngsters of Elliot Jones Carvalho to those more experienced players, such as Milner, Henderson and Thiago. He can play in a multitude of, of different roles. And to me, is it is it worth cashing in, albeit a loss that Liverpool are going to see on 
the balance sheet for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain rather than just say, you know what, for another year, it is worth having you around before we finally cement what we do want to do with the midfield in the next trans in the next summer transfer window. Yeah, I can see the sense in keeping him in the fact that we've seen players before enter that last year of the contract and Jurgen Klopp has said, no, they're staying for the year. Um, whatever we sold him for now, we couldn't sign a good enough replacement for that fee. It was better for us to have them for a year and then we'll reassess. And I'm thinking Emery Chan, Genie Wijnaldum. Now, if you'd sold them the year left on the contract, you're selling them for a lot more than 10 million. 10 million is peanuts to Liverpool, isn't it? It's not going to make any difference to what's coming in for them. And my information is that if they really wanted to, they don't have to sell anyone else. Now, like Marnie's gone or he's going. Um, they're, in a, they're financially secure enough to have the squad exactly as it is now. But they are going to be a bit more respectful to players and their situations so that we could see these players go on. But they're not having their hands forced here. They could keep them. With Oxley chamberlain it's like, well, what good is that £10 million going to do when you're not going to sign a replacement for that? You just have him for the year. Like He can play as a, an option down the middle up front. He can play on either flank. He can be in centre and midfield. If they get really, really, really desperate, he's a backup right back. He fits in so many positions and he's obviously a good player to have in the squad. And as a, another afterthought to, to fuel the Bellingham speculation, one reason they want him to up refresh this midfield in 2023 and beyond is not only that the fact that the midfield's getting older, it's that they're beginning to lose out on the homegrown numbers. Like we've seen in the last few years, granted they've got players coming through the academy who aren't old enough to be registered yet, but they've not been able to name the full 25-man squad in the Champions League or the Premier League because they don't have enough club-trained or homegrown players. Um, if you're losing Oxlade, Chamberlain and Milner, uh, that's two of them gone. Now, it's easier for them to have Oxlade, Chamberlain as a year to tick that box, and then oh, Jones, Elliot, they're a year older to fill in that, and you can see what else has come through the academy. And you may be targeting Jude Bellingham, or if Salah goes, you're targeting Jared Bowen. Like It's all this gradual plan, the vision they've got, strategy to get it all right when it needs to be done each step as it goes along. So, yeah, what you'd get for an upside chamber is probably more beneficial for Liverpool to keep him on the books. But having said all that, if he knocks on the manager's door and says, I've had enough, I want to go, so-and-so are offering me this, please can you sanction it? They're not going to stand in his way. Right, final topic to get into for this edition of the Blood Red podcast then is Raheem Sterling, Rich, who... It looks to all intents and purposes as though Man City will be quite happy to see him go. Chelsea, over the weekend, decided to appear to be in pole position to go for him. And it, it, it kind of begs the question from a few people whether or not there should be any interest from Liverpool. It feels as though the forward line is completely set. Or equally, I suppose at the end of the day, how Liverpool have moved beyond where Raheem Sterling is. He, of course, was a player who was quite happy to get out of the door early on in his career, feeling as though Liverpool couldn't match his ambitions. Yet here he is now hitting what you would say are prime years of his career. And I suppose if he goes anywhere from Manchester City, he's likely to probably only fall below below the line that Liverpool are at. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's tough, isn't it, really? I think it's, in some respects, a similar... Similar, well, situation to to Wijnaldum. And when I say that, it's more in, in probably in terms of the financial aspect. But Raheem Sterling left Liverpool under a bit of a cloud. I think I do think that's more under the bridge now. You know what I mean? It, it was. It feels like it was a long time ago now. And obviously, he's gone on and 
and and and and, and had success with Manchester City. But um, once you know, once a club's decided that a, a player can be dispensed with, that the, the um, the loyalty is not there, is it? So it can, it's a two-way street, really, and that that is the uh, sort of brutal nature of football. I I, I certainly don't see uh, any any uh, scenario where Sterling would return to Liverpool. Uh, uh, just 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 doesn't feel right to me that. But you know, if Man City are, are confident enough to sell him to a potential title rival like Chelsea, as opposed to. Uh, you know, moving some of the some of the top talent abroad, then that that's their prerogative, and he's a, he's a London lad anyway, isn't he, uh, Sterling? So he'd probably be quite quite happy to move back down there, be closer to family, and uh, that that might be a good move for him. But uh, whether it's a good move for Manchester City or not, we'll have to see. But I certainly don't see him coming back to Liverpool. No, definitely not. Theo, what's your take on it? And I mean, I suppose from the Liverpool angle, not really one of those you could you could kind of see Liverpool doing in terms of selling a player who has been so important to what Jurgen Klopp has done, for example, but selling a player to remain in the Premier League, like like Mane's moving to to Bayern Munich. You can't have seen Liverpool going, yep, Sadio, have the pick of any club you want, including any club on these shores. It's kind of off you go, but make sure it's not in the Premier League. And I suppose if you you listen to uh, what you hear from Salah's agent, he's ha- he wants to stay in the Premier League and he'd join one of these rivals next year. We'll see. Um, with Sterling, I, like I flutter from one way to the other. Like in the back of my head, part of me wouldn't mind him coming back, but then Liverpool don't really need him. Like he's been a great servant for Man City, and as Rich says, it was so long ago now. Um, and he, he ticks. If he signs for Liverpool, he ticks boxes because he's homegrown, he's versatile, but he's also club trained, and he's still got a good two, three, four years left where he can put in some peak performances. He's only but twenty-seven, then, yeah. Yeah, but then you take that away. So his best position in the Liverpool team, you'd be on the left. You got Diaz there. You got Jota there. They don't need him. Like you wouldn't put him on the right if you lost Salah because you'd want someone cutting in, and Salah does. You wouldn't put him through the middle. So it's like maybe if they hadn't signed Diaz in January that you could make more of a claim for Raheem Sterling as a player that would suit Liverpool. But then there's never been any suggestion that Liverpool want him back. Uh, I know his agent or his former agent said once Klopp was appointed, oh, if Klopp had been appointed in the summer, we'd have probably stayed at Liverpool. Well, that's your fault, Raheem. <laughs> you listen to your agent, you, you force this exit and you can't really have any regrets because he's won all these domestic honours. The one that's eluded him is the Champions League. Um, maybe I'll have more chance of winning it at Chelsea, seeing as uh, their record in Europe's a bit better than City's. Um, but then he's been linked with like Real Madrid and stuff in the past. I'm not sure why favour Chelsea apart from the fact that it's in London. But if you're going to go to a Premier League rival and you know Liverpool don't want you, it is the best next thing. Um, the only other Liverpool angle in on it is um, it shows how far things have changed in these past seven years that there wasn't any Liverpool windfall coming now part of that's because he he signed a contract extension with City in 2018 so if they'd been on a sell-on clause that's expired as a result of the original contract not being valid anymore and then being on a second one but uh, it definitely feels Raheem Sterling's departure from Liverpool was one of the the cogs for the start of this generation as Klopp turned him from doubters to believers and all this and then win this next chapter now where right we've won everything once now let's go and win it two three four times and build this next great team uh, you'd be very surprised if they went knocking on Raheem Sterling's door and asked him to be part of that. 
Yeah, you certainly would. Well, that is it from us for this edition of the Blood Red podcast. Do remember, Friday's episode will be a Q&A special, so get in touch with us uh, by emailing bloodred at reachplc.com or if you want to send any fan mail, Theo Squires way, that is the best place to do exactly that. But from myself, Guy Clark, Rich Garner and Theo Squires, thanks for your time and your company here on the Blood Red podcast. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.